was his special present. What is it? This is a special book. It was the book my father used to read to me when I was sick, and I used to read it to your father. Okay, I'm going to read it to you. I'll try and stay away. Wesley had no mother marriage, so he packed his few belongings and left his promise for two horses. The war of the land gave Humphrey the right to choose his bride. The fabric will make the prince suspect the Gildarians have abducted his love. I never said anything about killing anyone. I just happened to look behind us and something is there. He's obviously seen us with the princess and let's therefore die. Pick up one of those rocks, get behind the boulder. The minute his head is in view, hit it with the rock! I was not a sportsman. I've got my country's 500th anniversary to plan, my wedding to arrange, my wife to murder. I'm swapped. Jesus, Grant, what did you read me this thing for? Well, who says life is fair? Where is that written? Fencing, fighting, chases, escapes, giants, monsters, torture, revenge, true love, miracles. Look, I'm retired. I might kill whoever you wanted me to miracle. He's already dead. I'll take a look. Bring him in. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> That's a weird trailer. I yeah, I, kinda, I liked it. I liked I liked the fact that it. I mean, it wasn't cut very well, but I liked the fact that it relied on uh, Peter Falk's like grandpa character to kind of tell the story, so you kind of <laughs> yeah. know exactly what you're getting into. Yeah. Um, I, I remember watching that and not knowing that that was Peter Falk. And then we've done a lot of Peter Falk. Uh, <laughs> like his entire catalog now. Yeah. We can start on Columbo movies. Yeah, exactly. Welcome, <laughs> me. welcome to Columbo Columbo. Just, just <laughs> one more thing. All right. Going. Welcome to Movie Night Extravaganza, episode 52. Uh, Princess Bride, one of my favorite movies of all time. I My original reaction to Princess Bride was a lot like... Uh, like the kid where he's like, is this a kissing book? And I remember being like a kid and watching The Princess Bride and being like, is this a kissing movie? Is this going to be one of those like, you know, girly kissing movies that, and then I don't know, I've, I've probably watched it like 50 times literally since then. But um, I am here as always with Jay Andrew, the alternative to suicide world. Um, by the way, what's happened to Ben Burgess seems a little bit more uh, violent in, in that trailer. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? Um, you know, because it's, um logic humor y'all anyway <laughs> the classic blunders um, <laughs> nobody's written the book on the classic blunders yet everyone's That's written ben of, new book actually <laughs> everyone's written logical fallacies you know everywhere everybody knows the logical fallacies nobody's written a good book on the classic blunders yeah i'm well, also I, joined by conan neutron <laughs> that was his intro uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, what about Ben Burgess over here? Hey, I just wanted to get that joke in early. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's good. You did. <laughs> anyway, that's Andy on to Conan now. <laughs> All right, Conan Neutron, host of Protonic Reversal, co-host of this show, and of course Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends as the frontman, the the singer extraordinaire. Uh, you know, you know him, you love him. Conan, Land War in Asia, Neutron. That is one of the classic blunders, and I think we need it's to write this book blunder. now. It is, and uh, I gotta say, I'm still not sick of the theme song yet, so looking good. <laughs> we had a nice few days here. off, I think, right? We had a nice few days off where, like, I, I kind of forgot how good the intro was, and then got oh, to yeah, yeah, turn it's to so it. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Lauren, I wrote it. By the way, in case you're really? in case you're wondering oh, why we're so discussing good. it. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I wasn't fishing, <laughs> but thank you. Uh, Princess Bride is fantastic. Uh, this movie does is awesome in at least four or five different ways. And, and I love it. I'm very excited to discuss it with everyone. I think it's gonna be a good discussion. And I think we just saw you think it's awesome in only four or five ways. At least four or five different <laughs> ways. <laughs> we saw Peter Falk uh, go go into those ways in that trailer, you know? Yeah, yeah. Sword play. I was gonna say at first, like I thought that trailer, I was like, that this is a terrible trailer. This is like a totally totally different movie, and then they kind of turned it around, which I was like, okay. Yeah. All right, all right, trailer this time. This time. <laughs> We should we should do that as like kind of a segment. We should rate the trailer every time. I was thinking about that last time. Um, Honestly, yeah, because like this movie, when you watch the trailer, it's like, how do you even market like yeah. this movie? It contains so much, and I feel like they did their best. Question mark. But <laughs> it should be funnier. Yeah, it yeah. should be funnier because this is a very funny movie. True. They uh they leaned really yeah. hard into the the fairy tale aspect of it, which is like yeah. you know I mean it's a it's a grandfather telling his his kid a you know somewhat inappropriate and uh, all over the place story, and I don't I don't really know where they found that book, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is, it, is it the inappropriate tales to tell your grandchildren section of the bookstore? <laughs> your grandfather found this book at a yard sale. He read it to, or you know, my grandfather read it to me after finding it at a yard sale. I read it to your oh. father, and now I'm reading it to you. <laughs> well, like, you know, all those like old, like folk tales and everything, a lot of them are, in the original versions are like pretty violent and like, oh, yeah. shocking to kids. I had, a, I had a German grandmother, so I very much know that. Yeah. Grimm's fairy tales. Yeah. yeah. Nightmare fuel. Absolutely. <laughs> and they keep trying to make those into movies and it keeps not being that great. But yeah, the fairy tales themselves are, are pretty. Anyway, we're still in intros, aren't we? Yeah. Right? yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> Erica Strout's oh, been on, you know, a whole bunch of different uh, episodes <laughs> lately. She's a Georgia-based filmmaker, music video director, and musician. Half of the musical duo, Dream Tent, plays guitar and sings in Motherfucker, and the live band of Conan Neutron and the Secret Friends. Woot. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Peace out. <laughs> Happy to be here again. I <laughs> love that. I love that when we favorite. went on, uh, when we went on Bad Takes, I like just, I, I sent Joe that intro, and I was like, just, just read that intro. It's a solid <laughs> intro. <laughs> and we're also joined by Lauren Schwinnard, uh, a writer and social media strategist who writes for Merry Go Round magazine and goes for lonely goes by Lonely Goat Herder on Letterboxd. Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> lonely Goat Herder. Lonely Goat Herder. My, uh... I, I had like five seconds to pick a username. I was <laughs> I was no, Lonely Goat Herder. Wait, can I change it? Yeah, no. I was literally watching Sound of Music and I was like. That's what it's gonna be. That's my legacy. <laughs> uh, and uh, I love it. I, I think 
this this may be a landmark. The first person on as a future guest of this show that I know through Letterboxd. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so what the fuck, Letterboxd? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that? That's cool. How did that come about? <laughs> I think I just saw a, a, a review of something that uh, she did that I liked. And I was like, ah, oh, she looks interesting. And then like, yeah. And then you also do those, um, uh, those like, what's leaving the yes. uh, services which i do like, hey, i like to think that that's like a helpful like it's a helpful so helpful resource absolutely movies like leaving hulu or hbo max or something and you're like ah, i'll get around mm -hmm. to that and you're like oh no it's leaving this month like she has all those on there yes. which is which is a really lovely public service because that's oh, not even really? available on the regular site yeah <laughs> Thank there's you. a lot of places that there's a lot of places that do that but never tell you if it's any good like worth watching or like you know what i mean like they're always like oh here's 50 things leaving this month and it's like all right but should i watch like should i binge that entire <laughs> list of things or like yeah. you, you kind of sound like my time <laughs> Forrest, you kind of sound like one of those like video store commercials from like the, the early '90s or something. They don't ever tell you if they're any good or not. You know? <laughs> <laughs> is it uh, no, it's literally it like, I think a line from Clerks yeah. where she's like, they tell "Yeah, you exactly," things, but they never tell you if it's any good. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like read. He's just like reading, but yep, that's it. All right, it's like oh, yeah. <laughs> like, just not paying Those are the same two movies. You weren't paying any attention to what I said. I can I can clear like quote clerks way too much to ever do it as a as an episode on the show. I feel like. Yeah, well, what, what does he say? Like like very clever ruse, ma'am, or something along those lines. <laughs> I don't appreciate your ruse. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Lauren, welcome to the show. Thanks for Thank thanks you. for being Thanks on for it. having me. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> we'll get to a point eventually. Don't worry. <laughs> Sometimes we don't. <laughs> well, you're telling me. So so last night I stayed up. And watched uh, me staying up. I know is is, is crazy, yeah. but I, I watched the, um, for a minute. Yeah, I watched the Andre the Giant HBO documentary, Aww. and I was just, Ooh. I was just, I couldn't sleep, and like I was, I was bored. So I, I, I wanted to. I've been trying to collect like Andre the Giant drinking story clips and deciding which ones to do. But there's a whole entire uh, section of this documentary with Vince McMahon. Um, oh my god! Kind of as the as the you know the the this starting for guy. this. Sorry. But uh, <laughs> but this is like a lot of people reminiscing about how insane um, Andre the Giant, and this continued on to Princess Bride, which you know I, I think Andre the Giant is someone who knew that he was going to die at a very young age because mm -hmm. you know being being a giant like a literal giant takes a huge strain on you know every single organ in your body, so yeah. uh, he kind of just you know lived it up and partied while he could, and um, this is I, I liked I liked this clip it was kind of just fun. catered Andre justifiably so you know a case of beer it was always you know booze it was always whatever it is Andre wanted he enjoyed performing but uh, he enjoyed the the party afterwards the stories about Andre's drinking are almost a, another level of mythology from the man himself Andre was certainly I mean one of if not the greatest drinker that ever lived I myself saw him almost every night drink 7,000 calories worth of alcohol. Say 20 to 25 beers, maybe four bottles of wine, usually several mixed drinks. Brother, I was with him one night when he drank 106 beers. 106. Yeah. That's Andre the Giant, brother.
Andre was a big drinker after the matches. Most wrestlers would like maybe have a six pack and Andre, the minimum that he would ever have was 24. He liked the wine. He'd have him bring in a case to start the day, a case of wine. We go to this hotel. I mean, drinking and drinking and drinking. And all of a sudden, now we're time to go to bed. And we get close to the elevator, Andre drops. And the manager of the hotel, see, what are you going to do? I says, call AAA. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> I was there. I did, wasn't there <laughs> oh, for the drink. Shit. I was there the next morning in the lobby when he's still sleeping on the floor. Nobody could keep up with him. No, I don't, I don't care who you were. Well, he was French. <laughs> I, I mean, love the, <laughs> I, I love that somebody was like calculating how many calories of alcohol he was. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird documentary. And the way that they kind of ominously play the dun, 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 dun with like intercut with like, it, it looks like a fucking drunk driving commercial. And <laughs> what I want to hear is these stories about uh, Conan the Destroyer um, when um, single Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and freaking um, Will Chamberlain and Andre the Giant were all hanging out on set because, uh, uh, you know, they they were all like like what they were doing afterwards. You know, how much drinking was going on there? Well, um, he was so Arnold Schwarzenegger was in the uh, documentary, and I sent you that clip earlier where he was saying that he went out to dinner with Andre the Giant and wanted to pay the bill, and he was like, "I've got this." And Andre like, and he Andre wanted to pay the bill, so like a scuffle ensued. Andre Andre the Giant put Arnold Schwarzenegger on top of like a a thing and like put him put him down on top of like a dresser and left him there and paid the bill. Oh my god. Wow. That's incredible. I do that all the time. Yeah, no. I had read all of this stuff about drinking habits. Like starting off with I can't drink one glass of wine without being like, I'm gonna be hungover from work tomorrow. Like so (laughs) he started off with the case. I I heard that during like the rap party for Princess Bride, um, he had ordered this drink that was like it was like several gallons of just like every alcohol that they had at the bar and Carrie yeah. went and like drank some of it and was like, yeah, I haven't had airplane fuel, but if I did, it probably tastes like. Yeah, I, I have that <laughs> clip actually. Oh my I God, no. That, I have that clip where he, uh, where he tells that story. I, so let's see it. All right. So, um, you know, uh, Carrie, Carrie or whatever, like the, the guy that played Wesley in this, um, has been in a lot of other stuff. But it seems like this is kind of his his peak, and so when the, he has a good he has a good head about it though. Like he'll he'll still talk about it. Like he like well, understands. No, so like so movie, when it right? came time when it came time to kind of reminisce about this, right? Like the anniversary started coming. Like you know, uh, twenty years, twenty five years, thirty years. Like those anniversaries. He wrote a book, and he took everybody's uh, like reminiscence. Uh, like you know what I mean? Like their stories about how the film came together. And this is after mm-hmm. Andre the Giant obviously had passed away. And he wrote a book and then he went on this huge tour. I don't think he was doing anything else. He went on this huge tour from everywhere from like Google, um, what do you call it? Like, like Google Talks or whatever, like to, um, you know, like all these different like Comic Con places, fantasy cons. So he, so there's so much stuff of him talking about the experience making it because he had written this book and he's kind of trying to pimp out this book and everyone else is kind of onto other things. And he was like calling around being like, um, hey, are you going to write a book on this? Are you going to write a book on this? And obviously everyone else kind of had gone on to other, things and he did too but like not in the same way i don't think no. like no I mean, that the didn't hit as hard. yeah i mean i, I mean like, i love shadow of the vampire but that that's like the only yeah. other good thing i watched his wonder woman pilot 
<laughs> he was in Saw, right? He was in. Uh... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he played the. I'm trying to. I looked at a list of other things he's done. I Big know fan. he's done some voice work too. Like he's done some voice acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it seems like he's had plenty of work since then. Oh yeah. He, he certainly worked. To, but... Like leading man as Princess. Yeah. Bride. Certainly nothing with the cultural cachet of Princess Bride. Yeah. No. Although I will say, watch Shadow of the Vampire if you haven't already. Um, Turn this, this off. Great. Go watch Shadow of the Vampire. Well, <laughs> wait until wait until the end of uh, This Is Revolution, then watch. Right, it. right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do it right. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> I'd love to talk about your book. Oh, thank you. So obviously, if you live on this planet, you're familiar with The Princess Bride. So, what was this? Talk to me about the concept of the book and. Just the experience of you writing it. Um, you know, it was a beautiful thing because it's been almost 29 years, 28 years since we made the movie. And there was so much goodwill towards the film and still is to this day. I call it the gift that keeps on giving because it's a generational thing, you know. I called Rob. I said, Rob Reiner, the director, I said, are you going to write a book? He goes, no. So I called all the cast and I asked them, are they all going to write? And they said, I don't no. see Manny Patinkin writing. No. And I said, well, if you're not going to, can I write one? And they all agreed. And they not only agreed, but they agreed to be a part of it, um, which is great. So it's really, it's not just my memoir. It's the memories from the whole cast and the filmmakers about the making of the film. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And then now that, you know, looking back, when you were filming that, did any of you have any idea no, that it would become the phenomenon no. that it does is? Anyone ha- does anyone have any idea that a film is going to be... As Bill Goldman, the, the author of The Princess Bride, said about Hollywood, nobody knows anything. And by that he means no one knows what makes a hit, because if they did, they'd be making them all the time. And Andre the Giant, uh, did you ever actually get hurt when he was throwing you around? No, Some he of was very things... gentle. He was a gentle giant. Yeah. Really could, do you think he could drink, he could hang? Oh my God, please. He'd have emptied this bar right away. He used to he, he used to drink a thing called the American, and they would take a, a beer pitcher, and the bartender would go behind the bar and literally take every bottle and pour it into a beer pitcher, and, and that's that's what he drank. I I, I tasted it once. I, I've never tasted airplane fuel, but I imagine that was the closest thing. <laughs> he thought it was very funny because I <laughs> I coughed and spat it up. You know what? I'm just gonna say it. Carrie was he's itch, okay? He looks all right. Yeah. Yeah. He was a good Robin Hood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean like in Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is the Robin Hood. He's the only one with the British accent. I completely Was there another Robin Hood? I only know Men in Tights. So. <laughs> it's the only one acknowledged on this show. Let me be sure. Well, look, I mean, you know, Billy Crystal in, uh, you know, in in Princess Bride kind of plays a, a Mel Brooks character, right? Like he's kind oh, of sure. literally yeah. just Mel Brooks. So to have like uh, Carrie go to like a, you know, like bottom tier Mel Brooks movie, but still like, you know, a Mel Brooks movie after that kind of makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I also, that, uh, um, I read that Rob Reiner Carrie had to leave Elwes. set when Billy Crystal was Carrie doing his scene. All right, Carrie, Carrie Elwes. Elwes. All right. Oh, thank you, Conan. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I read that Rob Reiner had to leave the set when when Billy Crystal was acting because he was laughing too hard. <laughs> yeah, it seems like he booked Billy Crystal specifically because he made him laugh that hard. And I mean, yeah. 
his role in it's amazing, but like hey, yeah, he's great. He nails it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, it's such a minor like, oh, okay. Carol Kane, yeah. Carol, yeah, Carol yeah. Kane. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. 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 She was also always that, right? fantastic whenever she's Absolutely. on. Absolutely. And, and she was going time. through quite both both Billy Crystal and Carol Kane were kind of going through quite a run during this, during the like the 80s. Like I feel like that okay. was their like uh high period. I mean, I guess Billy Crystal going into the 90s, you know, doing the um, you know, analyze this, analyze this, <laughs> analyze that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, city slickers. But <laughs> um, it's a small and- Carol Kane oh, coming sorry. back and Kimmy Schmidt too is pretty great. Ah, yeah, Carol Kane and Kimmy Schmidt. Run is so the land. good. <laughs> so good. Want... Billy awesome. Crystal coming back in blackface, not so much, but oh, can't appreciate yeah. that. No. <laughs> uh, I will say the that those characters, the Billy Crystal and Carol Kane characters, relatively minor, not to the story, but like minor amount of screen time and like huge presence. Like, this, yeah, it's a great. Mm-hmm. It's a very important. Like, ah, oh, this part, awesome. <laughs> I, I, can't I love the. I, I love. He's he's like nothing's more important than true love, except you know a nice MLT mutton lettuce and tomato. When the when the mutton's nice and lean, the tomatoes yeah, are yeah. extra thick, and he's like, I love that. <laughs> tomatoes are in season. <laughs> um, I also love the fact that uh, the, the albino um, is is uh, directed a couple of my favorite movies. Um, he did the mm, uh, screwball you know. comedy uh, brain donors. Which Mel um, Smith. Yeah, Mel Smith. Um he he and he did uh Radio Land Murders, which is an obscure um George Lucas film that uh George Lucas has buried. Um but uh if you can ever track it down, definitely worth your time. Is it a great movie? No, it's but it's fun, it's fun. Um it's it's a murder mystery on a silent film set and and it's a you know screwball comedy. Um like they don't Why did why did George Lucas bury it? Uh, George Lucas apparently isn't happy with the script. Um, it's not perfect. I mean, if you watch it, it's just like, it's a good movie. It's just, it's not a great movie, but you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. something, it's one of those movies that could easily, that easily had gotten memory hold like it has. Um, I don't even remember it coming out. Um, uh, my kids are awake, so I'm not going to tell it's the always, stories about, uh, it's uh, about always the been there. It's always <laughs> been there. <laughs> But, but, but uh, you know, I, I do want to shout out, you know, Mel Smith, the albino, um, because because he is actually one of the um, better comedy directors who never had a break, apparently. What was the right. first movie you mentioned? Uh, Brain Donors. It's um, mm. th- think um, uh, Marx Brothers, but like made in the uh, like 1989. OK. You know, I also read that. He never actually watched The Princess Bride because his experience making really? that film was so uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Like, because he had That's to funny. wear like colored contacts and he was actually allergic to the solution that they used. Oh. And he had all this like, like everything he had to wear, I guess, was really uncomfortable. So he just didn't want to re- <laughs> relive it, Jeez. according to what I read. Mm. That was kind of. And, and then he gets knocked out by Andre the Giant instantaneously. <laughs> Well, it's yeah. a shame too because it seems like the rest of the cast like had a great time. Everyone like you know mm-hmm. talks about it, reminisces about it. You know, they, like it seems it seems like it was a pretty good experience that was at least half as fun as the movie, right? Which is you know mm-hmm. you like to think that's the case all the time. It very much is not the case, but yeah, I love I, I love when we cover movies case, though yeah. that like the the filming of it was legendary. Like you know what I mean? Like because I feel like this is one of those movies where like the filming of it, the process filming of it, there are so many stories about like. Um, Andre the Giant either being like drunk on set, he was riding around. I guess they couldn't take him in the uh, in in the like pickup truck or whatever that they were taking everybody else, and he just wouldn't fit. So they got him like an ATV to ride around. And um, one of the stories, 
one of the stories that I found <laughs> is that he kept on going to uh to 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 you know to carry or played Wesley and he would be like, Hey boss, you want to get on my on, on my ATV? You'll like it. And he was like, No, no, I don't. It's I don't know how that thing works. And he's like, Come on, you want to get on? And like and like, was, like the fourth or fifth time he asked or something, he like uh does it and then uh, instantaneously snapped his toe or something. It gets caught. Oh my god. Uh, it got caught between the clutch pedal and a rock yeah. that was yeah. on the ground or something. <laughs> I know. And he was, and he did, he got injured a lot on that set. Like he started right. off with a broken toe. Like that happened like early on in yeah. the filming. So most of the, like, and he did most of his own stunts with like broken bones and just mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. I, one of the um, uh, things that always like was like such movie magic to me is when they're in the forest and um they're in the quicksand and then like um buttercup like falls beneath the quicksand and then oh, yeah. Harry dives yeah. in but he dives in head first and i'm like like i i don't know the movie magic behind how they were able to make that happen where he would feel comfortable just like going for it because it wasn't I would not feel comfortable that was a real that, yeah. stunt yeah well, even with just her going through, I remember the, when I just watched it, uh, rewatched it yesterday, I was like, how did they do that with even just her yeah. falling through? Mm-hmm. But yeah, him diving head first, like, how did he know that she he wasn't going to like immediately collide with her somewhere or like, yeah. Yeah. like or snap his neck going down? Because like, I would imagine yeah. there was some sort of like trap door and maybe the person like, there's so much room for error there. Yeah. yeah. It, it does hit on know more about it. I, I think there should there should be there ought to be an investigation. God damn it! No. <laughs> uh, Let's get this... Congress and investigate. <laughs> we just need to get the real issues. On. The American people need to know yeah, exactly. We need to know right now. Let's get in. Let's get an inquiry going. How come Rob uh, Reiner's not here? Exactly. We'll we'll subpoena him. Uh, the it, this also follows a, 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 an amazing trope that I think is not talked about nearly so much with uh, movies from the eighties, and that quicksand is a major threat. Whereas in in reality, quicksand is like a fairly rare occurrence, but it's like every every movie has like there's a quicksand scene. And I mean, I'd like to, I'd like to, I'd like to ask Renee when she's on on Friday how often quicksand is. Maybe she'd have a different answer about the stakes of quicksand in Australia. True. So, powder comes from Australia, and (laughs) I think it's It's populated by criminals. (laughs) <laughs> i think it's funny that they refer to it as lightning sand in the movie as well oh yeah absolutely that, that, that's and it's, and it's like, faster than like worse yeah it, exactly it's like quicksand but way faster clearly it's in the name uh, I also and then, have to i have to point out the fact that so wesley dives in and tries to save her from from the lightning sand uh-huh. she does yeah. not do shit really when he's attacked <laughs> by the rodent by the rodent of of, of she's you not know, like, that does not that doesn't happen and <laughs> that also, that big meaty rodent warthog looking could have stabbed it dude. with a sword, could have given yeah. him a sword, could have he's like hit it in the that head sucks. with the thing. The it sucks also, that that's happening to you right uh, now. You know, yeah. But also, you know, <laughs> being being raised in for the first couple few few years of my life and visiting the city, I've seen bigger. I've seen bigger rodents. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm from New York. Mm. That's an average rat. <laughs> oh <laughs> you would think that's a rodent of outrageous size? Let me. <laughs> I wonder if they could have used capybara for that scene instead of like yeah. people in. Yeah, but costumes. it would have been like licking him the entire time. 
capybaras yeah, are so. pretty sweet. I don't really <laughs> know how they. I've never met a capybara. I've just looked at them. So no, they're like the sweetest things. Like like oh, they, really? they, just, this they want to be your missing. friend. Oh, that's oh, nice. I'm licking you. I'm licking <laughs> over here. Uh, I, 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 though. I don't know. I, you know, I will say, uh, you know, Robin Wright may have not um, been very helpful in that fight scene or whatever. But I mean, this is also like one of her one of her first roles. He was on like some soap opera or something before this, if I remember correctly. And uh, yeah. God, what a role, you know, yeah. and also still acting and still kicking ass and killing it. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Uh, I mean, I'm not talking know. about her as the, you know, actress. I'm talking it about. Kind of Princess Buttercup as like the, the character. Oh yeah, Princess yeah. Buttercup was utterly useless in that scene. She's just like, yeah. Well, and what and you gonna do? Go get it. <laughs> the guy who wrote the book, William Goldman, he wrote the script as well. And like, I don't have I I don't know if anyone else has read the book. I've read the book a few years ago. I, I is, have every intention to do I so eventually, but I have not. Do yourself a favor and read the book because it is. Okay. It will not. It will book? not. What's the book? What is book? He's, he's what is just book? Ignore, okay. ignore America. Well, Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> it's in the book, like Princess Buttercup is presented as like a complete idiot. Like she is like really stupid, like her character. So I think in, in keeping with like them trying to create the movie in honoring the book and the same person like, you know, being involved, like it kind of makes sense that she wouldn't be that helpful because she's supposed to be an idiot. Right. And in yeah. the book, they do a better job of of creating her character and like uh, developing her character to be a stupid person. <laughs> but yeah, the only time we seem as dumb. The only thing we really get in this one is that like when like oh I'm sending my four fastest ships. Oh, okay, sure, you know like, and yeah, she's like, but, oh okay. And then it's a Padme. It's like a Padme Anakin moment where she's like, yeah, you sent the ships, right? And he's like, <laughs> she's like, right? Um, but so I have a I have a, a clip with. Uh, with William Goldman and Rob Reiner talking about the process of uh, writing the, the film oh, cool. itself. Yes. And um, I, it's, I, I didn't know any of this backstory behind it. And I didn't know that uh, he had kind of, you know, his daughters had kind of named it. He was like, I need a good name for a story when mm -hmm. the book came out. And they're like, uh, well, princess. And then someone else, like the other daughter was like, bride. And he's like, princess bride. Cause there I was always go. wondering like how, like how the story, like how the movie got that title. Cause it's like, you know, it's just such a like, you know, fairy tale title and the movie itself is completely different than that. I think. Well, um, I, I think he said that it was from stories that he told his kids. Like one of his daughters requested yeah. a story about a princess. The other one requested a story about a bride. And so like yeah. over these stories that he made up just to tell them for fun, it sort of developed that way. And then the, the last kid requested mutton. Mutton, lettuce, and tomato. <laughs> a nice MLT. Just a nice MLT. You know, nothing too fancy. This wonderful kind of traditional classic love story of true love conquering everything and then fighting against all odds to, to survive. It's told in the classic traditions of fairy tale storytelling, but at the same time, it makes fun of all of that, and it blends it together perfectly inconceivable well it's an odd mix isn't it i don't know quite what it is it's hopefully funny it's hopefully romantic it's hopefully exciting doesn't sound too bad i'll try and stay awake <laughs> when bill goldman wrote sat down to write this book he had two daughters his one daughter he says if i were a book what should i write a book about and one daughter said write a book about a princess and the other one says write a book about a bride and so he said okay i'll call it the princess bride the book was finished in 73 20th Century Fox 
thought there might be a movie in Princess Bride. And just before we went into production, the head of Fox was fired. A technicality that will shortly be remedied. And that set up a series of over a decade <laughs> when the movie almost happened. One studio loved it, and the weekend they were going to make it, they closed. We're closed! One studio loved it, and the weekend the studio executive was going to make the deal, he was fired. Unemployed in Greenland! Norman Jewison was going to do it at one point, and it would have been wonderful. And then we couldn't get the money. And then years went by, and I had made Spinal Tap, and I was finishing up on the sure thing. And I said, you know, they make movies out of books. And then I started thinking of all the books that I loved, that I had read, and this was the one I remembered the most. I thought, well, let's see. You know, maybe I can, you know, get William Goldman to agree. to. I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. And I went and found out, first of all, that he had been trying to make it into a movie for like 15 years. I very naively called William Goldman up and said, I'm interested in this. He had not seen Spinal Tap. He went and saw Spinal Tap. I went to see Spinal Tap. I screened it with my daughters. And I started shrieking. It was so funny. And I thought, good God, give him the movie. <laughs> and I was like walking on air. I thought, oh, my God, you know, William Goldman wants to say it's okay for me to, to do this. The first two films I made were Spinal Tap and The Sure Thing. Spinal Tap was a satire. The Sure Thing was a love story. And... This Princess Bride was a satirical kind of fairy tale love story. So certainly by looking at these two films, he probably got a sense that I had the sensibility and I could understand the tone of how to blend these things. I feel like those clips are something you would have put together for us because like they makes good usage of like lines in the movie to like so like ah doing the thing with the Yeah, and I'm happy well <laughs> I see, but it was kind of brilliant. I wouldn't have necessarily thought to like put like uh but he's like, unemployed you know, in green closed. And he's like, we're closed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's I, a I always. that will shortly be remedied. <laughs> I, I always love when I always think about, like, wow, I wonder who cut that together. I feel like that, that must have had a good time doing that. So, so a lot of those are from like an actual, like, making of uh, documentary that I found, which is really cool. Um, I, I found like a lot of different, there's so much on The Princess Bride. Like, and I should I should know that because I've been like, you know, watching clips of like Andre the Giant talking about or like people talking about Andre the Giant's drinking. I feel like since I was like 10 or 11 years old and didn't even like have any like I was like, oh, wow, that's a lot of alcohol, I guess. Like, assumably, I don't, I don't <laughs> a don't lot know. of calories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Was it 27,000 calories? Yeah, I like it's the measuring calories. calories. No, yeah. it was it was 7,000 7, calories a day. Yeah. But, but like, still Andy, please. Thank you. <laughs> Let's not exaggerate here. This isn't a show that exaggerates. Please let the record show. You know what, Andy? Andy, if you keep exaggerating like that, you're going to be unemployed in Greenland. <laughs> I've always wanted to see Greenland. <laughs> it's it's pretty funny after because uh, I feel like Greenland never really gets mentioned, and then there was the whole thing where um it got revealed that Trump tried to buy Greenland from uh, Iceland. Oh my God, I forgot point. about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a real thing that actually happened. That was like seriously floating. Not an onion headline that actually happened. Well, I think no. somebody put it as a headline as a joke. And then Trump was like, yeah, we would. We'd buy Greenland. And then Iceland was like, it's we're not going to. deal. The land. <laughs> Iceland was like, we're all set on you, Trump. We don't, yeah, yeah. We don't need it. Like, no, and he's like, no, wow, thanks. I would have paid so much money for yeah. the green sticky icky that exists <laughs> all over Greenland. <laughs> what weed? Yeah. Oh. No, I don't I don't know. It was, I, I just thought I 
You don't understand. Do I have the fjords. Well, this, this, I, believe it or not, this is a great segue that I think Wallace, now. Uh, Wallace Shawn's character definitely would be a, a Trump cabinet secretary type dude, don't you think? Like, couldn't, <laughs> couldn't, you, couldn't you imagine? Wallace Shawn's character, Ben Burgess. Second, no, Secretary of Defense, Cincinnati. You know, like, you... I mean, like, like, because he's just, he's just so clearly what I love about his character. First of all, he, he is smart. Dick Cheney. He is smart, but he's also he's not like, as evil as Dick Cheney's far. He, he's got almost like a, a, I guess, a lower level Bush cabinet secretary. Well, just, no, that's, that, I mean, that, he's certainly less threatening no, no, than Dick Cheney, but he's a fictional character. That, so there's a different type of incompetence that the Bush administration had from the Trump administration. So, 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 so but I, I think, cause mm -hmm. listen, I, I think that there could have been a Bush administration, um, like the intelligence when they're like, when they're like, listen, we know everything about Iraq right now. We know everything about Iraq and kept pushing like that style of CIA and like whatever intelligence that was like, cause there were a lot of times where the Bush administration kind of like puff, puffed themselves up, I guess that I could see with, with Wallace Shawn's character in this at the same time. No, I think it would be a Trump, a Trump cabinet. So, so, so here's, <laughs> So here's the point I was actually going to make, which was literally none of that. Uh, that like he's he is smart, but he also is convinced that he is smart in the way that do you remember that like this is a real cabinet secretary that was like grifting like mattresses and pillows and things along those lines. And the, he wasn't the cabinet this, secretary. Th 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 this was a this was a lower level. Um, Mike Lindell, the my pillow guy. No, my pillow no, guy. No, no, no. <laughs> no another I, know one I, can't think pillows. Is, I know what you're talking about. There's another yeah. pillow guy. No, stop interrupting me when you don't know what you're talking about, Forrest. Uh, it's he's a cabinet secretary that was like he should have been doing like the hobo marks outside the White House when he finally resigned. Like this is a very again. Dennis? This is like this is no 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 no. No, he he he, he I'm actually. To, I'm like, genuinely trying to remember now who you're talking about. Yeah, no, no, he he like um, spent millions of taxpayer dollars uh, re redecorating like. The office, his house, everything like, like, oh, the interior, Scott Pruitt. Scott Pruitt. Scott Pruitt. That's what yes. I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh. See, I didn't think I'd have to like look it up mid sentence, but that's that's what the show is sometimes. <laughs> that, like, but think about the fact that this is a guy that why like, wouldn't you is, think that that's exactly he's a cabinet secretary is. in the <laughs> I'm just gonna ignore you in the president, the, the like the presidential cabinet, right? And he's like on the make, like. But on the make in a way that's like not like a Dick Cheney, like let's Halliburton steal billions of dollars and funnel it towards like our corporations, et cetera, et cetera. Like literally, let's go get some free mattresses out of this deal. Right. <laughs> so henceforth, I think that like Wallace, Wallace Shawn's character would fit very nicely in, in, into the Trump cabinet. Because first of all, he was trying to start a war. Let's not forget. Wallace Shawn's character is trying to start a war. That's the whole reason yeah. like Buttercup is abducted in the first place. Right. Uh, they're trying to like do a wag the dog. And it just so happens that both of his henchmen are both like, this guy kind of sucks and like, you know, whatever. We got our own things going on. Um, but I love the fact that it's it, it was way before they ever talked about Dunning-Kruger effect, way before that was a thing, right? But amazing that like a character like Wawa Sean, who is actually very smart and a trained Shakespearean actor, right? Like a very, also a very member good of the actor. Democratic Socialists of America. Yes. Yes. And and manages to like play like, you know, he thinks he's Carl Rove, right? But he's more like Steve Bannon, like for sure, like in in, in that way. But I just think it's so amazing that like this think of when this movie came out, right? Like and it was sort of like that. Certainly, Rob Reiner was like injecting a little bit of like you know people like making making war around that time and and doing. Well, that I I stuff. think but I I think what he really is is he's kind of like a he's a Nixon guy. 
He's one of the he's one of the CIA like operative people that thinks they're smarter than they are. That like Nixon had yeah. doing, doing these dirty tricks, and the dirty trick is, I mean, the one political I think uh, like the one real political connection you can make with this movie is he's kind of doing what like the CIA does. Like the entire thing is like we're gonna set somebody yeah. up. We're going to start a war between these two countries because yes. I'm going to kidnap somebody. It's the most ridiculous We're going to hire ever. private contractors. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. Private, exactly. exactly. These guys are the Blackwater of the, of the medieval age for sure. Yeah, like. <laughs> well, Nixon, Nixon had that famous quote when he's like, if you want something done, uh, hire a right wing, right wing exuberant, you know, and it, yeah. it would be these guys that were working for either the CIA because Nixon had been that guy. You know, for the longest time, Nixon yeah. had been like the the weird, crooked, like like grotesque behind the scenes person that eventually had just kind of um, placated his way up the ladder, knowing that that was what he was going to do. Placated his way up the ladder into being president. By the time you know, like um, he he was president, like in 1968 or whatever. And in the same way, this like Wallace Shawn character, you can think of that as like a low level, like kind of Nixon employee. Yeah, he, like, he he's like, the he's the plumber. He's the plumber for yeah, that. Exactly. No, hundred percent. Right? Yeah, and, and <laughs> you know, and you could think of like uh like you know Chris Sarandon's uh Prince just kind of sitting there and being like, listen, I need you to kidnap my fuck, which is a crazy plan and not yeah. gonna work. Like, kidnap <laughs> kidnap my fiance on my on on the day we get engaged, bring her to the middle of somewhere, kill her, let her just be dead somewhere, and then say, oh, these guys did it. Which is like yeah. a CIA plan if you've ever heard one. Like <laughs> right, yeah. That's well, and it, the inanity of it is sort of like where I started thinking about for Trump, where it's just sort of like, what did anybody think of the second sentence of this idea? Like this is crazy. <laughs> it's uh, like, Lauren, what it's do you like the uh the, the coup in Venezuela that Trump was involved with? Yes. <laughs> well, they Lauren, what, what do you think about, about it all this? Was the deal standpoint? <laughs> what do I think about all this? Um yeah, literally I, the last no, 40 minutes I, of conversation. Sorry. No, absolutely, <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I could see this man in Trump's cabinet 100%. Did you know that this role was also considered, they considered hiring um, Danny DeVito to play this character? Yes. Yeah. They were gonna they were gonna hire Danny DeVito while Sean found out about it and was like shaking in his boots because he's like, no, I really want it. And then like he ended up getting it in the end. But they strongly, strongly considered Danny DeVito. It's which, a different movie. Which would have a, been a completely different movie. I think there was a clip that I made on Twitter that was but just yeah. um it was the same, it was the that scene, but then slowly Dan DeVito slowly like the opacity grew. So it was like <laughs> Danny DeVito's face slowly filling up the screen. <laughs> With the it's always sunny uh music behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think it well, we did that bit on um uh what was it? Uh, uh not Big Trouble in China, it was um they live right where he talked about like uh, the, the different people that could have been in the role and how like different that would have been. But this movie is a different movie without Wallace Shawn. I'm not saying it would be a bad movie like no. at all. It would still be awesome, but it would be, yeah. it would hit di way differently. Yeah. The casting Wallace for this was movie, the right yeah. The whole casting for this movie, like everything just is so like beautifully seamless and it's like, nobody is out of place. Everyone there is like firing on all cylinders, which is so crazy. And I know we were talking about Robin Wright earlier. They were looking at so many different actresses for Buttercup. And mm -hmm. it's so interesting to me because now I'm so familiar with Robin Wright's filmography and she's a very, very smart woman, very, very smart actress. Mm -hmm. and I believe it was 500, 500 yeah. uh, actresses. Yeah. For real? 500. Wow. And they and they looked everybody from like wow. Courtney Cox to they considered Whoopi Goldberg. Cox. 
They were wow. ridiculous. Yeah. Whoopi Goldberg, like they were all over the place. And then Brooke Shields but, was one too. Yeah, but when really? I think about all of those other actresses, like in this role, I think that you needed someone who's as like whip smart as Robin Wright to play someone who really is just so like one sided. Because yeah, she just brought this like. She just brought this like smartness to the role to where, to your point, Erica, where you're talking about how in the book she's kind of, you know, an idiot, but you needed someone to have a little bit more savvy so that you really like fall in love with this character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah she otherwise she's to like, you know, likable though. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say otherwise she's just a beautiful slab of granite, right? But exactly. like I mean. <laughs> and there are plenty of people who don't mind that for a woman in a movie, but <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. for it to have universal appeal, I think that really is necessary. Well, and and it goes to show you that she's had you know a, a fantastic career outside of Princess Bride too, right? Be, and, yeah, and in very intelligent roles and has continued to be. But it's mm-hmm. yeah, she's like twenty one or something in this, right? Like she's like it's like yeah. pretty pretty young. She was very young. As was Carrie Elwes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie, I'm Carrie always Elwes nervous actually, saying his name for some reason. <laughs> I, I read a thing that Carrie Elwes actually like had the book, The Princess Bride, when he was younger and like, oh. really, really loved it. And so it's amazing to see that like he had always kind of wanted to be this character and it just like seamlessly happened. So good. Here's something Forrest tweeted. And I found out later when I when I when I wrote the book that he said uh, his agent had told him that he wasn't the first choice for Vincini, that in fact the producers wanted Danny DeVito instead yeah, of him. See? So Wally said he was haunted by the ghost of Danny DeVito <laughs> through the entire shoot. He said, you know, anytime he did a scene, he kept thinking how Danny DeVito would do it. You know, which is crazy because it's inconceivable. <laughs> no way. <laughs> no. I found oh, Jason Momoa and Lisa Bonet are parting ways in marriage too. Apparently, trending. But yeah. Wait, right now. Wait, what? That was on his tips on his Twitter. Oh, on his Twitter feed. I'm just like, stop the podcast. I didn't just. Yeah, not I didn't relevant just, to the show, but I didn't just tweet that. I I made it. Oh my god! I, I made that video because I was just bored the other night, and I was you trying did to such put such a great job. Clips <laughs> Amazing! Oh my goodness! Well, I mean, I would love because uh, because because Wallace Shawn's amazing and Danny DeVito's amazing. So where's that buddy cop movie, huh? Absolutely. <laughs> we don't oh need more buddy cop movies, but no, in don't. this case, the only allowable one is Wallace Shawn and Danny DeVito. Yeah. You guys, I thought it was really funny when um, that Danny DeVito was considered for the role of Vizzini and Arnold Schwarzenegger was considered for the role of Pheasant. Ah! And I was thinking, like, <laughs> oh, if the two of them had actually been in the movie and then mm-hmm. they did twins. Oh, <laughs> oh, my, God. oh my God, twins! I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Schwarzenegger would have been awful in that role, though, because Under the Giant, like, it's so, there's a sweetness to him. Yeah. 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 You can't see you can't see uh you can't see Arnold Schwarzenegger ever kind of having that. Nope. I I mean he he, he he got better as time went on, but like like there's a difference between Arnold Schwarzenegger in nineteen eighty, whatever, whenever this movie came out, 
uh, even even in 1990 when he did uh, Kindergarten Cop, where where the sweet, yeah. you know, th there was some sweetness there, but it wasn't. It was buried deep down. Um, I just can't imagine a world where like Arnold Schwarzenegger acts like with <laughs> with Mandy Patinkin. Like that's so yeah. I mean, that's just that nuts. By the way, Predator <laughs> came out the same year as Princess Bride. And I love okay. both movies, but that's where Schwarzenegger was at at the time. Yeah. Yeah, he was running around the jungle, and we come on, we Zimi, do it now! Ah, ah, come on. Do it now. They also apparently couldn't afford his fee by that point because he had become but such a big star. Yeah, but I, I mean, one of the most one of the most relatable moments in, the, in 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 Princess Bride altogether is when you first get introduced to Inigo Montoya and Fezzik, and they're kind of just basically like freestyle rapping like they're going <laughs> line by line they're rhyming they're rhyming yeah. back and forth to each other so he's yeah. like Vizzini, he can like to fuss and then he's like i think he likes to, like to scream at us, us. and he's like <laughs> probably he means no harm he goes he is very very short on charm and they're they're sailing away and and, and i mean it's the most classic line of the movie but when Vizzini's like no more rhymes i mean it and he's like anybody want a pita but like <laughs> yeah in a situation so many times where i'm just like me and like me and my friends will just be like leaving a party or something and just be kind of like drunk in the car and someone's driving and they really don't want to be driving they want to be like partying with everybody else and people yeah. just start like to fuck with them like start freestyle rapping or something like that and the yeah, person yeah. just it's gets so mad they're like this sucks stop it yeah and, <laughs> and that's why was sean's character who's like totally upset about it yeah <laughs> you can't hang with the jokes <laughs> It is a great well, introduction. And their yeah. chemistry is so great. Like, and, and I'm so glad that uh, Mandy Patinkin was finally invoked because holy crap, like what a great role, right? I mean, like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Iconic. Like, well, what else has he done uh, that, that that's this good, really? Um, and and I used to enjoy him on Chicago Hope. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's um, a fantastic actor, but hasn't, for whatever reason, hasn't had a lot of roles that are like, oh, wow, that's Mandy Patinkin you know, being Mandy Patinkin and being a badass there. Yeah. And like, he's always in roles now. I feel like that, like your grandparents would watch or something like, you know he, what I mean? Like he, was in criminal, he was in like three seasons that. of criminal minds. He's and... definitely in criminal minds. At well, least yeah. crazier is, is he also does a lot of like children's stuff. So he's like an elbows adventure in grouch land or some weird oh, wow. shit like that. Um, <laughs> so, so, so it's like, really Mandy Patinkin. Do you follow Mandy Patinkin on TikTok? Because if not, you have to do that today. He's so really awesome. Yes. It's like him and his wife just like hanging out and like being super like progressive and Aww. just like, just like being like cute at home and like kind of socialist and like I love that for them. It's, That's awesome. It's fantastic. He seems so like such okay. a sweet person. Yes. Like just like him talking about the the first screening of the film that they the actors got invited to go watch the first cut of it, and he was like, I was in tears, like crying, and my wife was like, What's wrong? And I was like, I just didn't know how good you know like. I feel so fortunate that I got to be a part of this. Like, this is amazing. Like, to be fair, this... I, I feel like if I watched Princess Bride as someone that was in Princess Bride and saw it, I'd be like, holy shit, this is like a, yeah, like a good movie. <laughs> yeah. <This is> like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? I mean, like, I loved it. I'm not in it. You know, I'd be like, oh my God, this, I'm in a thing that's like a, a work of art. This is crazy. It's Cause so it's cool. Yeah. Cause it's, it somehow manages to do the thing and it's so rare for this to happen where it lampoons 
the thing that it is, but it also managed to be perfectly emblematic of the thing that it is at the same time. And that's really hard to do. Which I think is, I mean, when you, when it comes to like fairy tales is interesting because I I think fairy tales inherently, there's kind of a a satirical side because they've just been told and retold and told and retold. And I think it is very easy to kind of be um, spiteful or kind of like uh, hateful about it because they've just been told so many times and you're like, holy shit, I want to change the story enough that like, you know, or, or make it gritty and dark, which Germans already did that, so don't do that. If anyone's going to make any more movies about fairy tales, don't they do the that. only ones, but yeah. But just just get David Hasselhoff, we're all set. I just, my, my, my grandma came from Germany uh, after World War II, and when I was a kid, she would tell me like the the story, like the fairy tales, but she would do it in the darkest, like most evil possible German way, where mm-hmm. she would just be like, and then, you know, the, the witch, she was going to kill the kids, and I'd be like, oh, holy shit. I didn't. I watched this on like some kid show and didn't didn't know that this was where this was going. And it's like the very German way of like, and then they lost all of their toes and their fingers. Good night, children. Play softly some Rammstein. That's why Arnold doesn't work in the role of Fezzik. No, absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah, from Germany, this doesn't. They're too stern. (laughs) Well, I think that the the castiness is uh, pretty all around great. I mean, top to top to bottom, like, uh, you know, think about just like the back and forth. I know we're really joking about Ben Burgess, logic bombs, et cetera, et cetera. But like the back and forth between uh, Carrie Elwes and uh, Mandy Patankin's character, right? Like when just at the very beginning where you like, like they cut the cut the rope and he's like climbing up like real, super fast, by the way. And then like there's a whole exchange about, well, I can't fight you, you know, if you're if you're if you're down there. And it's like, well, that is a problem. Yes. You know, like like this. Yeah. It's a very cl- it's a very smart exchange. No, and then, and then you have but like some of the best lines in the movie are during that exchange where he's like, uh, totally. He's like, I give you my word as a Spaniard, and he's like, he's like, <laughs> well, I've known a lot of Spaniards, which is an amazing line. Because, I've known too yeah, many Spaniards. Yeah, like, <laughs> and I didn't as, as a kid, I was like thinking about like whatever, like Columbus, whatever, you know what I mean? Like, which he's, he's Italian, but like you know that kind of stuff, where it's like you learn about like yeah. the Spanish Congo, but then but then like growing up and realizing like the Spanish Empire and like the actual deprivation and like evil that that was like that line kind of hits so much differently when you kind of know the history of that and then on top of that he's climbing up and he's like um he's like what if i give you you know the word of my father domingo montoya which is the only time he invokes his father's actual name throughout the movie and and he's like continuing with my mom and he's like all right like if you're gonna invoke your father's name like i I think that there must be something here and then they have the banter the entire sword fight which well the whole thing like the i know something you don't know what's yeah i'm not left-handed and then like then he puts it back around to him too, and it's it's just awesome. It's such a like it's the only like other person balance. that would pull that trick too. Like they yeah. found like their soulmate pretty much. Like it's the only other person that would go <laughs> left handed to try to do. It's a like I can't kill this guy. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm like we have to be buddies now. <laughs> I literally so when I told my friends I was going to be on this podcast today, they were like, "Are you going to talk about the theory that uh, everyone in the Princess Bride is bisexual?" And I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> And there's an there's apparently a whole theory about it, and I was like, I didn't look too much into it, but I didn't need to because that scene exists, and I was like, that's true, bisexual yeah. energy, like there's also the relationship <laughs> between Prince Humperdinck and yeah. Count Rugen, like that relationship. Oh. No, that is that is like... that is a queer code, as they say, a queer coded relationship because yeah, he has absolutely. no interest in in Princess Buttercup, and then with with his friend, he's like, you know how much I love watching you work, but you know, like, yeah. I have yeah, so much totally. to do today. I have to 
to plan a wedding. I have to decide how to kill my bride. I have to, you know, play right, exactly. a war. Like, the like, list off, yeah. I'm swamped. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I never, that's funny. I, know, I, never, that, I never heard that theory. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think if we had the lighting, it would have been too much. You know, we would have been. <laughs> the bisexual lighting. The euphoria bisexual yeah. lighting. The bisexual skeleton would show up and, you know, which was so well, you, you straight up, you straight up got that reference without, I was, yeah, I, whatever I episode that was, I was like, say what? Like what? <laughs> say what now? Like, I, I don't remember what episode that was like bisexual lighting. I was like, I looked up like, holy shit. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, did, I forgot about it. Yeah. So, yeah. We, we showed I'll the bisexual skeleton on the, <laughs> it's in the, it's on the Wikipedia entry. I'll go find it right now. I know it. Yeah. I've seen it now because of you guys. <laughs> there's also there's also um i guess if, if you're going by this kind of bisexual theory there's um this like almost uh masturbatory way that um you know at the beginning of, of the sword fight before before wesley comes up that nigo montoya is talking about like oh well i can only really get you know get off if i do it with my left hand because it's over to <laughs> There, there he is. Oh, you know, he says, I can only get satisfaction because if I do it, he's like, well, with my left hand, oh. because if I do it with my right hand, it's over too quickly, which is like clearly like a, you know, like a oh, masturbation. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Okay. Yeah. That's, I would, think it's I so great about this I'm, movie, too, is that it's like you, it, it's one of those movies that you can like show your kids and they will absolutely love it. Like I remember watching it when I was like six, five or six. Mm -hmm. And then like, I watch it now as an adult and I'm like, oh, I missed so much. No matter how <laughs> oh, percent I've seen it throughout my life. Like mm -hmm. as I get older and mature or more immature as I get older, um, <laughs> you know, you catch more and more every time. Can you imagine, yeah. by the way, coming into this show, like just right now and be like, what, what's, what, what? What's going on? A 3D <laughs> rendering of a skeleton showcasing bisexual lighting. Under bisexual lighting. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I, we, we get the bisexual lighting with the skeleton. They should have <laughs> made... <laughs> the pit of despair should have had that lighting throughout. Absolutely. Like, I feel like... Oh, yeah. You know, like, that would have been a really good opportunity to use that style of lighting. Although yeah, it, it wasn't it invented yet at that point. That the pit used, of bisexual that, despair. That well, I love how the guy... Uh, the, the guy... Um, the, the one who lives down there was sort of bisexual yeah. is there the more albino. like Twitter, am I right? Yeah, <laughs> I forget. The, Andy, do you remember the character's name? The like, albino. Is 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 he called the albino? Well, yeah, I love how he's originally albino, like yeah. he clears his throat like because like eh, man. <laughs> you know like like it's because it's such a you would expect a character like that to be like, eh, and like he just talks in a regular voice after that like it's such a small <laughs> little throwaway gag but I was laughing my ass off because I was like fuck yeah. That's <laughs> also, second movie we've covered this month about where like someone's essence gets drained. Lots of essence draining. Essence draining. All right, yes. so, so kind it, of it never really gets too essence. into the essence on this one as it does like in the Dark Crystal, but it's like there there is sort of like oh this machine drains essence, and everyone's like oh okay cool. Well, it takes your it no takes one asks years off your life. Physics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my biggest fear as a child when I watched it for the first time was uh the enormous rats was was the first thing but the i was dreadfully scared of ever being attached to that machine and having people take years off my life like that was a legitimate thing i worried about at six that that existed <laughs> that that's that fair that is fair <laughs> I, I, I mean wanna, i want to i'm worried about that now it. frankly <laughs> i want to this is what the show's doing but i i want to <laughs> 
I wanted to go through this. this Forrest had a hair at the beginning of this show. Hey. <laughs> yeah, true. No, but um, I wanted to go through this one by one. Um, so I have a story fighting clip. I'm not going to play the whole six minutes of clips I found, but, you know, playing a little bit of it. Um, and then going to the Andre the Giant part, obviously, which is like the physical fighting. I thought that this definitely deserved a moment. Yeah, this part is rad. I'm for it. I'm here for it. Let's go. They Neither so Carrie nor Mandy too. had any experience sword fighting. I know they killed themselves to learn. It was shocking. I'd never seen actors work that hard. Most of the time, they don't have to. We looked at scenes of sword fights, and we, we find the most difficult parts, and, and we turn to Peter and go, can we do that? Is that possible? Are we good enough to be able to do that? The initial sword fight was the thing that impressed me because uh, it was described as the greatest sword fight since Errol Flynn and Burt Lancaster. I worked with both of these people, so it was a great challenge for me. It's hard. I did a lot of research and bought books on fencing and got the names right and the defenses right. You're using Bonetti's defense against me, huh? I thought it fitting, considering the rocky terrain. That I knew my job was to become the world's greatest sword fighter, and that's what I needed to do 24-7. One, two. You're amazing. And luckily, there were no injuries. Every single frame of actual sword fighting is done by both by Carrie and Mandy. I hold that sword fight up to any scene you will ever see in any Doug Fairbanks movie. This is every child's fantasy, at least in my generation, play with swords. And Bob said action. And we were fighting, and I was doing this. Cut. Rob said, we'll put in the sound later. And he was excited. He was a little pumped up. And in a rehearsal just prior to that, he had actually stabbed me in the thigh. So uh, right before we shot, uh, I said to the fencing master, I think he's going to try to kill me. So... All that stuff that I learned, I'm basically throwing out. I'm basically now going to defend myself. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. That line, I didn't know that it would become what it became. Matter of fact, when I first read I went, God, you know, I don't have a lot to say, but I, I say that over and over again. Hello. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. I lost my father in 1972. It just hit a chord with me that I want my father back just like he does. Father, I have failed you for 20 years. Now our misery can end. The reason I made the movie was coming to fruition, which was I was going to get the cancer that killed my father. And I remember we were outside that castle and I took a walk in this beautiful moat. I just kept talking to my dad, saying, I'm going to write it. I'm going to write this wrong. <laughs> And in my mind, I feel that when I killed that six-fingered man, I killed the cancer that killed my father. And for a moment, he was alive. And my fairy tale came true. Yes, for the sword fighting, I am not. (laughs) So amazing there's so I, much to unpack there yeah 
Yeah, I just want to say I knew somebody who uh, got a credit card, and the company said we can put a cre- uh, we can put any name you want on a credit card. He goes, any name, and they go, yeah, any name. So he goes, Indigo Montoya. So he has a credit card that says Indigo Montoya, and when he goes to conventions, he pulls out the credit card and goes, hello, my name is Indigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to buy. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. There, you there go. we go. Thanks for coming out. Tip your bartenders. Uh, Lauren, what are you gonna say? <laughs> Didn't matter. Yeah, that that <laughs> that scene like guts me every time when he's in that final sword fight with Christopher Guest. <sighs> I like what I notice is when he says that line of like, "I want my father back, you son of a bitch." He goes out of his accent. It's the only yeah. time. Oh, yeah, he does. You're right. Like when he says son of a bitch, that's just Mandy Patinkin. Like that's not Indigo Montoya. And mm-hmm. it's and it's it's so subtle, but you can see how much of his own like emotions and heart went into that scene and really like visualizing like killing the thing that killed his father like in real life. And I think that that is so beautiful. Yeah, and it's, and it's it crazy hard. too because it's become it's become such like a, a legendary like moment and a legendary scene and like you know something that people kind of just you know use almost as like a mantra when they're talking about this movie and to think that like he really was harnessing this energy that like came from a deep place of hurt and trauma and actually losing his father and like was completely like uh, harnessing that to to create that moment is insane like I never thought that that was that was what was going on with Mandy thinking that that is as an actor. An actor, capital A, at work, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I have uh, th- three things that, that I kind of want to hit there. First of all, I love that the, the direction in the screenplay is, like, the, what is it? The best sword fight ever ensues. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Between, uh, which is, is funny, it's funny to say, but, like, I've actually heard people that are uh, screenwriters and, and directors both saying that if you're, if you're going to have, like, a really awesome action sequence, that you don't want to try to, like, explain it out. Mm-hmm. But to say like, oh, it's like, you know, Errol Flynn and uh, what was that? What's, what's the other guy? Uh, the, the, anyway, but it, it's referencing something that's a very. Oh, yeah, of course. I know what I, I have an idea of what that looks like. But like apparently by people in the bills, that's uh, that's the way to do it to like have a. Uh, but yeah, the, you know, the, be- the best sword fighting scene ever. Like, that's pretty great. Uh, also, <laughs> uh, when they're when they are actually are sword fighting. And he's like, oh, you know, you're very good. Oh, I worked very hard to become so. I was always like, that's a good way to put that. Because it, to- it totally, you know, it honors the level of like a lifetime of effort to have become so good at something without doing, the, oh, well, you know, it's nothing, which is like almost a requirement now to like, you know, get down on yourself and be self-effacing in some way. But I've worked very hard to become so. I, th- I thought about that uh, when, when I just watched. It. I was like, "That's it, really interesting." Huh. Well, we should practice. Well, I mean, that. I think you know, Conan, your introduction <laughs> is really good. <laughs> yeah, we no, should all like, be a little better at that, right? <laughs> uh, uh, no, but like, kind of. I mean, it's kind of almost like a, a step game up thing where it's you know someone who's clearly in Nigo Montoya is like clearly dedicated their entire life to studying, like studying yes. the blade, as they say. And you know what I mean? Like going through and, and doing the sword fight and then, you know, getting that highest compliment for someone who's clearly spent their whole life. Also doing the, the exact yeah. same thing, right? It's a game yeah. rec- recognized game, you know, blade. And it's the only whatever. other person that probably would have <laughs> like literally on earth would probably 
fight with their, you know, with their left hand when they're right hand. Yeah. And it's like, it's such an amazing. And they both do it, which like, is amazing. Because <laughs> they, cause they set you up. They set you up for the, uh, they set you up for the, the one with Nico Montoya. And then they don't set you up for the one with Wesley. So it's like when he finally is like, oh, I'm also going with my other hand. It's like, geez, all right. <laughs> so I don't, I don't want. Oh, God. Okay. Oh, uh, do you think that there's, because I, one of the things that I read was that, um, and if you're like going for like, oh, this is, this is like by based on evidence, like what actually the thing is, is that Wesley would have known that Inigo, Inigo was um, not left-handed because he had his, um, the like, the sheath for his sword was on his left side, which means that you would draw with your right and fight and ideally fight mm. with your right. But mm. Wesley had well, his on his right hip. You would have known hip, that as an expert swordsman, so that I had Inigo my would not sheath. have known. <laughs> on my right would not side, have known that Wesley mean, was I can't draw the same time as you. But then you would have known that your sheath would have been the same side, and you would have known that I was great at drawing my sword. So I clearly cannot draw the sheath from this side. But <laughs> I'm not even getting started. <laughs> I just thought that was weird and something that I never would have thought of. I, I, yeah, I never, I never thought of it either. And also, like, you know, Wesley spent all this time, like, studying so much stuff that it's not outside the realm of possibility. Yeah, that they also yeah. would have, you know, studied, studying the environment, like, in, in, in the yeah. same way that uh, he did everything else. I, I mean, I think that also, a I, I, I scene I didn't quite understand when I was a kid like to the pain, right? Like when, when, when he's like still not quite like a little paralyzed, you know, coming back from the dead and can't mm -hmm. actually fight, but he's just filibustering to kind of like make time. And so he does that whole like to the pain bit and, the, and he's like, I'm going to wait, what to the pain? What is like, just, just like <laughs> explain what that means. And then, then he like, and then they go this back and forth and then he's like, okay, I get it. I'm like, no, 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 actually you don't like, there's more to it. <laughs> and like, I just, it's so amazing. Cause he's just like, okay, what? <laughs> like, like, without being like exasperated in that way, just sort of like, are right, you have to tell me what what does that mean? I've never heard of that. Oh, I mean, <laughs> sure, I have. I've definitely heard of that. But is it? Which is like kind of a classic '80s comedy thing, too, right? Like, I mean, yeah, this movie kind of, in some ways, <laughs> well, I mean, Billy, Billy Billy Crystal's character more than anything else, but like, um, also just that scene kind of feels reminiscent of of either like Woody Allen or like Mel Brooks, like that kind of comedy yeah. where it's like something mm -hmm. intense will happen and and it'll break out and. Look, this weird conversation breaks out between the two people, and it's like you're you're waiting for this moment of like, which is which is amazing, com like comedic timing. You're waiting for this moment to happen between these two characters, and instead of happening, it just kind of turns into like this this like mundane back and forth. And right, I, I thought that this movie did like expertly in so many different scenes, <laughs> but but it works as also showing Wesley's planning out of everything like he's like so thoughtful yeah. towards everything that he's like okay i need to if I, if I stall in enough time i'll actually be able to fight this guy and i think that that's that's and, there, and there's also i mean there's a lot of great stuff around there i mean like uh andre the giant like putting putting him up on the bot on the on, on the armor so that he can go break down the door for uh many jenkins <laughs> like i mean just like uh, and he's just like uh, like it's like he he acts like someone's being asked to open the pickle jar or something. He's just like wham, and it like knocks the door down. Like it's 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 such a <laughs> small scale scene that I was just I was losing my my shit. Over there's there's, a moment, there's moment. a moment there's a moment that I wanted to there's a moment that I wanted to bring up, and I think I, it's brought up in one of the clips that I uh, found. But um, I I think uh, well, so I'm, I'm gonna explain it first, and then try to figure out which one it is. I guess. But um, so Andre the Giant was raised in the same uh, town as. Samuel Beckett, the famous playwright that wrote um, Waiting for Godot. 
like which is mm-hmm. like one of the yeah. most famous plays of all time about you know two two men waiting to be kind of uh taken away and, and they're waiting for someone at the end of their life and they're just kind of having this conversation and it's like you know they're deciding whether or not this person yeah. will ever come they, and, they want um, to know if is going to get them <laughs> they, <laughs> well and also is the is the is the is the idf coming is is, is israel coming or are we just <laughs> Or is it waiting for Guffman, right? Like, wasn't waiting for Guffman based on that? That's the, that's what I was trying There's, to get. Well, so it's one of the most waiting for Guffman. Peter Christopher Guest is in this film. Thank you. That like, but it's he, one of the like, most. When, I mean, it's it's a it's a it's an yeah. update of Waiting for Godot. Right? Yeah, Christopher Guest yeah. updated Waiting for Godot, and that's Waiting for Guffman. Featured I just came back as we were discussing Christopher Guest. I am ready. Like Forrest, you were saying. I I am the I am the number one. Christopher Guest, like mockumentary fan of all time, and I love. Well, we're doing, it. we're doing. Those uh, are cold words, Lauren, first... around me. We <laughs> talk. What do you do best in show? <laughs> oh my the gosh! Tronic reversal movie night extravaganza <laughs> technical uh, crossover is going to be Spinal Tap, which I'm really excited for. In, <gasps> that, in the... uh, yes. That's going to be so much fun. Yeah. Of course, you're making um, a but, point about so, Sam. So, so, so there's the play. Samuel Becker wrote <laughs> Waiting for Godot. And I guess um, Andre the Giant's father was an architect or a house builder of some kind and had um, helped Samuel Beckett on this house. They lived in the same town. And uh, Samuel Beckett ended up um, driving Andre the Giant to school. And there's like this famous conversation where Rob Reiner asks, like, what did you, what did you talk to Samuel Beckett about? And he's like, Oh well, we were talking about um, I it's uh what what it's rugby or I think I think they're talking about like rugby or, or cricket cricket they're talking about cricket in the car and he's like we're talking about cricket uh, as they're as they're driving under the giant to school as like a kid and um so that scene though where they're in the the thieves forest and they they're kind of um you know, uh finally after you know, they don't know the Bazzini's been killed. They don't know that, you know, um, Wesley's been captured. You know what I mean? Like, so they're trying to form- formulate a plan. And, um, you know, Inigo Montoya is back to being drunk again. And he's waiting in the that forest. Is, and he's, he's like, just despondent. Yeah. I am waiting yeah, for Yeah, so he's Vecini. like, I am waiting for Vecini. That's a <laughs> that's a reference to the, the waiting for Godot and the conversation back and forth oh. they have. So it's like kind of this, this kind of like deep reference in, in terms of like, you know, under the giant's childhood, which they make sure to reference in pretty much every Andre the Giant clip uh, that I could really like, even really find. <laughs> they said that was a specific reference. Well, they they talked about how he told I think it's this clip. He told uh, Rob Reiner about his experience with Samuel Beckett driving in the car as a kid. I, 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 yeah, that sounds familiar. I think I've seen oh. that in a thing at some point. I don't know, maybe maybe yeah. this is you talking about. I think it's. I think it's I think it's this clip, which, by the way, another thing that I wanted to point out before before we watch this clip, um, Norman Lear, who was the guy that, uh, you know, made um, All in the Family, made all of these, like, you know, still basically the template for uh, sitcoms. Situation he comedy. Actually, yeah, he executive produced this movie because Rob Reiner, obviously, was in All in the Family as Meathead. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I, it's kind of an interesting part of history because I think Norman Lear is somebody who's mm-hmm. – as far as TV is concerned, it's probably the most central figure in terms of like sitcoms or anything like that that's kind of come around in the modern era. I agree. As an Andre the Giant story, what's yours? Well, I mean, Andre was a great guy, very smart, uh, lived in the same town as Samuel Beckett, who wrote Waiting yeah. for Godot. He was a really smart guy. He spent time. 
But Andre liked to drink. Andre liked a little drink. One day he comes to work and I said, Andre, uh, what did you do last night? And he says, uh, I went to the bar, had a couple of drinks. I said, well, what do you drink? He says, uh, three bottles of cognac, six bottles of wine. Yeah. You get you mm-hmm. drunk. He says, oh, I, don't, I don't get drunk. A little tipsy, but no. So now the day we're supposed to shoot, the ending of the movie, which we shot and didn't use, because we have, you know, Peter Falk saying, as you wish. We had the little boy, after Peter Falk leaves, he leaves through the book, and he starts, you know, reliving it. And then we had the four heroes on the four white horses. He looks out the window, and he sees them, and he waves to them. So we had these four white horses, and we had Andre. We had to, you know, he's 500 pounds, so there's no horse that could support him. So we had to figure out a way to lift, you know, lower him from the ceiling on, like, cables, and uh, that day, Nouveau Beaujolais came out, and he started drinking about nine o'clock. And he drank like, I'm not exaggerating, like twenty bottles of Nouveau Beaujolais. And I'm now at the end of a day. It's eight o'clock at night. I'm walking to the end of Shepherd and Studios. It's kind of a misty rain, and they open the the, the doors of the stage, and there comes from the ceiling a five hundred pound drunken giant. And he's waving at me, and he's going, hello, boss, like this. And I'm thinking, what I do for a living? What, what is my job here? <laughs> That's what you have to really reassess. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Yes. Fantastic. Aww. What a legend. I guess that's not the one where he says, I, I was talking to him about cricket. That might be the last one that I, I have before we end it. But, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's like, fascinating. that oh, Just any Andre the Giant story I feel like is fascinating. But. I, it's I think like, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> he just seems like a fascinating, like such a warm person. Like I really, I don't usually want to meet celebrities that much, but like, I feel like it would be really cool if I could actually meet him. <laughs> but um, going, going by, I think, uh, you know, scene, scene by scene in the beginning of it. Right. Cause he, first, you know, Mandy Patinkin and uh, like Wesley have this like sword duel and it's cool. They have like this back and forth. I, I think it's fascinating that, um, you know, the, the sportsmanship, I guess, of uh, Inigo Montoya seems to have rubbed off on Fezzik's character, like the Andre the Giant character. And when he's just told by Vecini, like, oh, well, you know, you wait behind the rock and you throw the boulder and you just crush him as soon as he runs around the corner. He, like, doesn't like that. He's like, well, that's not very sportsmanlike. And I, I find that scene fascinating yeah. because you have to think that, like, as somebody who desperately wants this job, was kind of homeless before this all this stuff like these this code of honor is kind of worn off him and this code of honor is something that's really only touched on i think in in these um you know buried story and so well expressed in this movie because i think wesley has it although you know the one person that was a complete dick to him the entire time is Vicini. he finally gets him and that's the one person that he like tricks in any way shape or form you know what i mean like his his anigo montoya uh confrontation and his Fezzik, like Andre the Giant conversation are both incredibly honest. And then, of course, there's the whole, like, you know, outwitting each other, which makes sense. But, you know, I, I just it was fascinating that the, the first two are kind of these, like, he he could kill, uh, he could kill Inigo Montoya. He doesn't. He's like, I don't want to kill someone that's, like, that beautiful a specimen of swords play. Like, I'm just going to, you know, knock him out. And then the same thing kind of with Fezzik, where he just kind of leaves him and goes, you know, dream of beautiful, like, dream of gigantic women. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and then the, fi- the final person that he's like, listen, this is the, the final boss. I've made it this far is Vizzini. And he's like, no, nah, I'm going to poison this fuck. 
fuck this guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but but he's but that's yeah. I mean that's a dude with, like clearly not with only without honor but kind of like a real sleazy character ultimately who thinks of himself as someone very important. Stabbed him. Yeah. He could have done that. But, yeah. <laughs> the thing about like Wesley that is so great is that because he's a swordsman, when you're doing like when you're fighting, they always are like be one step ahead of your opponent. And Wesley always is like Wesley always knows what's going on. And so it's just like a matter of he's like this guy, like he knows that that guy is going to fuck him over because he doesn't have that like chivalrous sportsman like quality about him. So he already knew what the end game was going to be before the game even started. Mm-hmm. No, I, I and I agree. And the the funny part about it is, you know, be one step ahead of your opponent. And it seems like Wallace Shawn's Zini character is like five steps ahead of what Wesley was doing. Because at one point he touches on it, which is like, well, clearly, you know, you're a very strong man. You've beaten my giant. It means you might try to poison yourself um, and, and withstand the poison because you're strong enough. And he blows past that. And he's which like, is true. Then, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so, he, so he hits that point. But then he blows past that because he's he's now arguing with himself, who's you know, there's like a, a self-styled uh, intellect, which is really funny that you could think about like you know you just step you just back, gave and himself and argue with himself. Yeah. So he's like he's like so he hits that one, and then he's like, but then he's like, <laughs> but you know you've also beaten my swordsman, which means you're very clever. Kind of holds himself into into this point where he you know switches the glasses, and then it's like no, it was the thing where like he was gonna try to poison himself, but like you would never think that it was gonna be both glasses, but it's. Like that, that could have been something that you saw coming. You could have been like, you know, like you've kind of trained your body to, you know, like you don't have to trust that it's one of the most poisonous substances known to man. Like, <laughs> well, that shows his advanced planning, right? He didn't yeah. even necessarily have that scenario envisioned, but like decided he would give himself immunity to IOK powder, you know, just in case he needed it on his journey, right? And it turns out he did. So he's the Dread Pirate Roberts for. What <laughs> at least two years out of the five that he yeah. was gone. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. I like well, and I like I love. Yeah, no, I, 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 the Dread Pirate Robert story of is like great too because and they how they play into it when they have like the big like you know dummy with like the <laughs> with the fire and everything and they use that as the distraction yeah. because it's clear that shit in this world that oh Dread Pirate Robert oh it's Dread Pirate Roberts and that like it's like oh not only is this an intentional folktale this is like almost an appointed position where you choose your successor. Like that's such the a dead great private Roberts takes no prisoners. <laughs> the dead private Roberts is here for your souls. <laughs> so good. Cause it's just like, what would be something that would scare the hell out of these people? Well, clearly the dread pirate Roberts, which is like the biggest, like, you know, the, all of the boogeyman plus one in this, in this world. Like it's, mm-hmm. I, I love that. And I love that being like an in, in canon explanation too. But, oh, it's dread pirate Roberts. I mean, Everyone knows to be afraid of that. It's guy. also a, a fairy tale <laughs> within a fairy tale, right? Like you're listening to the story of a fairy tale, and it's like, where did fairy tales really come from? Well, you can't do this. You can't touch this thing. You can't, you know, you can't go out into the seas and just be unprotected. Like there's a story about, you know, the Dread Pirate Roberts who comes, like, you know, takes everybody prisoner. You have to protect yourself, which yeah. is what kind of the function of a fairy tale in the beginning of our, you know, our storytelling ability is. So it's mm-hmm. like this story kind of is a fairy tale within a fairy tale, which is kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like the um, well, the timeline, I think, is is really confusing in all this. And there are so many clues to different different points in time. And and maybe that was sort of on purpose to make it more timeless, in a sense, because you can't pinpoint when it is. But like pirates were like 
the late 1700s, I feel like were like the high time for pirates where like yeah. there's a lot of this that feels sort of middle ages. Yeah. Or like medieval, medieval almost. And yeah. they also discovered Australia. Like there were no guns yet. They'd already <laughs> discovered Australia and there was people. They discovered Australia. They discovered uh, <laughs> Spain. Spain is still Spain. Asia, the continent of Asia is somehow discovered. So there's like, they're kind and of referencing. But then also, and also Florin, Florin and Gilder are two different <laughs> countries, which we don't have. So there's still somehow well, Florin and Gilder, but also there's, yeah. you know, Australia. <laughs> I also yeah. like that the point of the story is to not think too hard about such things. Just like fantastic stuff's happening and just chill out. Right. Right? Which, which, which is the perfect explanation for a, a ridiculous fairy tale. Awesome. Movie I'm just getting it. started. Yeah. So Florin. <laughs> I'm just getting ocean. started. That's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Is that's any, by the way, Vincini is, other... is like everyone on Twitter, by the way. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like it's when you, when you double down, when you double down on a Twitter fight and just start arguing with yourself, the person's like, this is not where the argument was going to go, but all right, I'm going to let One you One of like, ten come. tweets, yeah. But, that, yeah. Vincini would, would definitely be an epic Twitterer. 100%. When I said genocide didn't happen, and then Vincini going down. For uh, who's tweets. the who's the guy, Dilbert guy, the guy who made Dilbert? That Scott shirt. Adams? Oh, I, yeah. So Scott I Adams. can't stand, yeah, I can't stand that guy, but I actually decided to read all his tweets in the voice of Wallace Shawn from The Princess Bride, and that made it much better. <laughs> and I, I didn't know the guy was on Twitter. I think, Interesting. I think Trump might be the right choice. <laughs> I actually always read uh, um, his uh, tweets in the voice of the Grand Nagus, which is also Wallace Shawn. Well, yeah, as, long as, it's, it's, as long as it's Wallace Shawn, doesn't have to be yeah. Princess Bride. That's Can it be Wallace Shawn's character from My Dinner with Andre? Yes. <laughs> I love My Dinner with Andre. That's a great film. That that is, is that is at the gold point, standard of people in a room talking. <laughs> and, uh, at one point, Jacobin did a really amazing uh, Wallace Shawn article where they kind of went into his like history with you know being a socialist and like, where his plays really have come from and like all of this. I, I remember you know before I even worked for Jacobin for the period I did like reading that and being like, oh shit, I did not know that you know inconceivable from <laughs> from <laughs> Princess Bride was like had this long history of socialism and kind of this uh, incredibly humanist vision and like I don't know it's kind of beautiful and then you know Agreed. he fell for one of the classic he fell for one of the classic blunders and you know, that's what happened <laughs> exactly <laughs> so I don't know about y'all well, but I feel like he was in Clueless too as one of the teachers he wasn't clueless. Yeah, forget about that. Yeah, and he's, he's the, the one that they hook up with the other. He's the one that they hook up with the other uggo teacher. You know, yeah. and they like oh, they give her a makeover, and he's like, <laughs> "Wow, inconceivable! She's hotter than she was before." I guess that's my new fiance. I'm gonna grade all these papers as an A, which kind of is. I love Clueless. Clueless is a great. I love Clueless. It's a good movie, but like their their plan is just movie. like, listen, if he's getting laid, if they're both getting laid. We're gonna get straight A's. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Which seems like a bit of a jump in logic, to be to be clear. But if ever yeah. you do clueless on this podcast, I want in because I got so 100%, many. hundred percent. hundred percent. All right. Well, clueless. We're gonna do it at some point in the future with this. Uh, with this Destin show. With this yeah, we'll, we'll do the. Uh, people. I have it the, as a VHS. Uh, the, so somebody uh, on uh, from the K Hive tweeted out like, "I I, I learned uh, Shakespeare." By watching '90s teen movies, and True. it was like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and Clueless was in there, and I'm just like, 
Nah, dude, that's that's Jane Austen. Yeah, no, it is Jane Austen. Yeah, it's Jane Austen. Yeah, yeah, Emma. that's not Shakespeare. It's you're right. It's not Shakespeare. It's not Shakespeare's Shakespeare. sister. Yes, and that's Jane why K is wrong. <laughs> yes. So the ten so, things I hate about you was based on Shakespeare. That's yes, true. Uh, ten the um, and she's um, the man. She, she yes, mm -hmm. that was one of them. Mm -hmm. Um. I was surprised O wasn't on the list. Like O would have been a good one because because that was a good remake. Um, mm -hmm. shoot, what was the th what was the third one? I can't. Well, while you're thinking up. about it, we need to get Conan out here on the road. You know, <laughs> uh, this is revolution after this. Conan, yeah. letterbox one-liners. I'd like to hear you set it Yay. up. I I would love to do it for us. So as you well know, this is a bit that we do on this show. Movie night extravaganza, a letterbox place for film, bottom up democracy. Everyone gets to have their say. Uh, there are no gatekeepers. Uh, the funny, <laughs> poignant, notable, or just downright baffling reviews that are on here. I pull them for this show. Ones that, that delight, <laughs> mystify, et cetera, et cetera. And then we read and react to them. And that is the bit. That's letterbox one-liners. Let's do it. When Fezzik the Giant asked why Wesley was wearing a mask, and he said, they're terribly comfortable. I think we'll all be wearing them in the future. Maybe he was ahead of his time. It does It does hit completely differently when like, you're like, oh, maybe we'll all be wearing them in the future. Like, oh, wow. They, they kind of predicted it's it. Totally different. Totally different. <laughs> I feel oh, like this joke when it was made in March 2020 was so <laughs> hilarious. And now I'm just like, as I sit in my house with COVID um, <laughs> currently. Yeah. Oh. But yeah. Well, let's yeah, remember Lauren, that Wesley's mask I mean, is sorry. not COVID safe. <laughs> For everybody out there, Wesley's yeah, mask exactly. is not COVID safe. All, all the chin diaper wearers, it is not, that's not how you, you wear a mask. You need but... an N95, yes. Yeah, <laughs> please, thank you. please and thank you. Buttercup just standing there while Wesley gets fucking ripped to shreds by that giant rat. <laughs> Go, girl. Give us nothing. We literally talked about this. <laughs> That's Ely. We totally did. Oh I was I thinking about this that, the entire time. I must have had that planted as a seed in my mind from doing these, these, these graphics. This is hands down the best film ever made. I hope Neo and Fezzig live happy ever after. <laughs> this, really, this really is one of the best films ever made. And I, don't yeah, I, agree. I agree. Milks is correct. <laughs> with an X, most with an X. Romance didn't exist before this film, and neither did Ponytails on Men. Oh, you know what did exist? A nice MLT, you know, a, a nice <laughs> mutton lettuce and tomato, where the where the mutton is, you know, nice and lean, and the tomatoes are extra. The tomato is right. Mm -hmm. Delicious. <laughs> Life is pain. Anyone says differently is selling something. God. But you know what they say? Or words. Pain don't, pain don't hurt. I was going to say, you very, very proud of that meme earlier. I ain't so got time like, to bleed. <laughs> Even with that horrible mustache, he's still pretty. That's a, that, that's Amanda oh. with, the, with, the, with the dagger uh, with the name. I don't know how you do that, the emoji. By the way, uh, I, I just, let's call out the tags in this one. Oh. DVD, gay, gender envy. <laughs> Everyone is a fruitcake. Yeah. Uh, women... And it's like hearts, I guess. I thought it was for. I thought it was like less than thirty-three, which shows that I am greater than thirty-three. That I thought that. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, and with dad. Yes, it's pronounced yes. Is I'm telling okay? you, Amanda gets it. Bisexual icon movie, The Princess Bride. That's how did this yeah. Amanda get her name to just be Amanda? 
Is it because of the knife emoji? It's Amanda. It's Amanda, Amanda? knife kisses. You yeah. mean like Amanda, Amanda hug kiss? <laughs> <laughs> well I need a knife. That would have been better. My name is Ineo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. You're is that crying? crying? My, you're just crying? Your or is that my laughing name. crying? My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare. Die. Has Why do you keep saying seen that? Princess Bride before. <laughs> Does it indicate on these on these things whether the person had seen it before? Nope. Okay. Not, on these ones. Not a single classic blunder in this. True. <laughs> True. <laughs> Although not according to William Goldman. My parents describing how they walk to school every day. <laughs> there. Honestly, though, that kind of that kind of fits more with uh with Labyrinth, where she's like, I've gone through every every uh like whatever, like every um I don't know. There's the whole thing at the beginning of Labyrinth where she's talking through the book and there's those lines where she's like, I've beaten every obstacle, I've gone through every uh I don't know. Mm-hmm. Why are you smiling? Because I know something you don't know. I am not left-handed. <laughs> Great scene. <laughs> A it's lot of these are just sh- quotes from the movie. <laughs> they are. They are. So that was the Letterbox one-liners. Everybody, uh, moving extravaganza uh, on Letterbox. Follow it. It's Forrest. Kona Neutron is me. Uh, J. Andrew World is under right about now. What pointed the wrong way? Erica Strout is on there now, as well. I think. Are you Stratocaster on there? Probably. I, I am Stratocaster, yeah. And of course, Lauren. <laughs> the lonely goat herd. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Best username. I'm gonna follow ever. you. I'm gonna follow you now. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, so follow the show, follow everybody on the show. Uh, and uh, of course, like and subscribe to Moving Extra Fancy. Yeah, and if they don't sponsor us now, we're literally, you know, we're literally networking on their platform. Who else? I know. Who else is creating a, pl- a podcast with are networking from the Letterbox platform? <laughs> Probably the show that they have called the Letterbox Show. But other than that, other than that, yeah, that's an elitist show. <laughs> Elitism. It's like when you, it's like when you pull Langdon Boom, Matthew Film Guy from the platform. You bring him on, you know what I mean? And you're like, this is a, this is a big deal on this platform. You bring him on, and 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 it's like a fix, you know? It's all Max royalty. Movie next extravaganza, regular Matthew Film Guy. I feel like now that I haven't heard anything about that priest yet. Like no, for some Mowage, reason, you're right. From, from watching as a child, like I was five when this movie came out. I was five years old when this came out, and I remember watching it. Like, I mean, I've whoa, seen, whoa. I don't remember the first time I saw it because it was so long ago. But like that priest has stuck in my brain. Mrs. Hammer's class. It was uh, <laughs> really it was hard right not to think Christmas about break. life of Brian. Life what? of Brian, where they're doing Brian. the. the where they're like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it's yeah. Very it's really hard not to think about the biggest, dickest scene where <laughs> there's a wife, you know. Uh, <laughs> it's the same. Uh, yeah, she buys a beard to go to the stoning. <laughs> we can talk about life of Brian another time. That is also yeah, yeah. one that I call. I call that one. The uh, um. But you're right. Like that that character is like what's it, what's the backstory there, right? I guess none necessary, but what's the backstory there? And, and I love his name is, is like impressive clergyman. <laughs> is, is that the name of the character? That's fantastic. It's I love just it. that, yes. 
apparently William Goldman uh, was in, uh, well, I don't know how he felt about it. He must have just, he was cracked up, I guess. He was amused by this rabbi who had a speech impediment that he, he um, heard speak in Chicago. So this is, this is based on a rabbi from Chicago. I love that this is based on a real person. I, that's, yeah, I learned <laughs> something. Dun, dun, dun. I totally learned something. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that. That's great. That's. I, I mean, I thought I thought I couldn't love this movie anymore, and here we are, we're loving it more. All right. Well, we have Man. to rush Conan off this platform because he has places to be. <laughs> you have better place to <laughs> be, mean, Conan. Time. What? <laughs> it's a, it's a, I'm very busy. I just have I have so much going on. Is that why you're all dressed up? I'm always dressed up. For this. <laughs> no, it's it's this show video. and live shows. I That's almost it. put my Conan, blazer Conan on for this to, one. Conan has a whole revolution to you know be on. Right. After this, That's right. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna wear my sequin blazer next time. You keep threatening it, yet it never happens. So <laughs> we never we never did that picture before the COVID time. hit. Um, <laughs> I know. Well, I I won't get rid of it. We'll make it happen. Yeah. Well, hopefully there'll be some touring this year, a year in the future. Uh, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, Lauren, we do final thoughts. Anything you really want to say, whether it's you know um, uh, a thought about the movie or analysis you didn't get to or a moment you didn't get to, you know, it could be really anything. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think we covered a whole bunch of stuff, and I just really love this movie. I think it's so wholesome. People should show it to their kids. They should show it to their grandkids. They should show it to their partner. It's completely rewatchable. I love it. I don't, I don't know what else to say about it. It's a perfect movie. Maybe my favorite Rob Reiner movie, but also when Harry Met Sally came right after this. I bought it at the art sale, which I, you know, I've watched it like, <laughs> I've watched it perfect. 50 or like, I've watched it at least 50 times in my life, but I was at a yard sale during the pandemic and I was still with my ex-girlfriend and I bought it and she had never seen it. So I put it on and she fell asleep and I felt like that was maybe like the deal breaker. Oh, that's the beginning yeah, of the end. Red flag. Red flag. <laughs> red flag. Red Color guard red flag emoji. Town. There's so many red when, flags. When she don't like Princess Bride, red flag emoji, red flag. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yep. Erica, let's hear them. Let's hear some final thoughts. I'm going to say that I agree with everything Lauren said. And also, um, like, I think if you really want to nitpick, you can find little, you know, inconsistencies, a little bit of campiness in the production of this film. But, like, it's so well done that, like, every little bit that you might nitpick, like, I don't even care because it's so. I was about it's to such kick you lovable... off the podcast if you were going to bring up any of these nitpicking. No, I'm not even going to do it. No, because I don't care. Like podcast. I feel like it was so. It was so there's well only, cast. It's a classic blunder. There's only one. There's only one. Come in one of the classic up. blunders. There's only one fly you could bring up, and that's when Anigo Montoya says, uh, "Oh well, I'll, I'll swear on the soul of my father." His father's also a Spaniard. That's the only. That's the only. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> logic hole you can bring up because why would you trust another spaniard that's Points. a dead spaniard that well, don't, doesn't make them any more trustworthy Forrest, all you're doing is making me want to bring one up by bringing one up yourself so i'm but i'm gonna resist i'm not gonna do it because i because i really don't care like the ride of that movie is so great like it's i can't think of any uh 
better way to have done it. Like, I just don't, I think everything worked out exactly as it needed to. And if you don't, I like could never, movie, I could never tell if it was on purpose that everything worked out the way that, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's that it not. was going to, or, it if, or if it just like did. I think it just does. I think it's just one of those things where like you just, you make a thing and it just happens to all come together and just be just right. Yeah. So it would be funny yeah. if, uh, during the filming of this, Archie Bunker had just, like, you know, sovereign <laughs> onto the set and been like, what kind of fruitcake movie you guys making here? And oh, my God. <laughs> With everyone being bisexual, I'm sure he would have loved that. Where's that the lighting? Day. Eat it. Eat it. He's trying lighting? to make a movie and it's fruity. There's <laughs> a skeleton over here that's a little... <laughs> it's a little oh, stiff and I don't like that. <laughs> such a hard time with with all in the family because i just was like why why like this guy is not likable at all like i yeah. don't get it i can't enjoy this this series and i feel like at this that's, point I mean, in my that's life, why norman norman revisited the series the way it was and then all right. of a sudden like these like whatever like nixtonian uh silent majority americans were like that's the guy. Like I, I read it. Yeah, I read they, it. Yeah. They didn't get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I read. I read it. I feel like I might be able go, to. <laughs> we need the Archie Bunker Americans back. And I was like, that's the exact opposite point of the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like my dad would would have been on that. <laughs> well, and it was a it, that was an important show for the time because mm -hmm. it was you know first of all not the least of which is that. Uh, Rob Einer's character was one of the first depictions of you know that generation. Like you know, oh, it's like the long-haired kid, and then to like it. show, yeah, exactly, <laughs> so and to show, to show, now. he's so bald now, and it's so funny, <laughs> just like his daddy. <laughs> but but to show to show like the reaction to that, and to kind of bring it up and like put it forward, that was important for culture at the time. Like that right. that was like not a thing that was was, and to have it done where it's like, yeah, it's very clearly that meant that like Archie Bunker's like an archetype of like, hey, here's a way not to be. And of course people leave it up to humanity and miss the point in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. Right. But like I think but I think it's more culturally important than enjoyable to watch, frankly. At this yeah. point. Like I like yeah. I, I ain't watching all the family. It's also kind of yeah. tanked sitcom it since then because well. they all copied that format. Yeah, well, like exactly. The, whole, like, yeah. the trope of the guy who's the kind of the bum the Homer Simpson. He's like the bumbling idiot like the weaponized and now yeah. all these men are yeah. upset about our current culture and yeah. What are one, these men so thing, upset about? Sorry. The one other thing that I'd bring up though is Rob Reiner didn't come from nowhere. Carl Reiner, his father, uh, was the mm -hmm. you know the the two thousand year old man with Mel Brooks, which is the kind of the character that um, Billy Crystal in this movie is playing. Like the yeah. you know the over the over the top like uh, incredibly ancient like Jewish guy that's like. Oh, mutton, lettuce, and, tomato. and you know, like bringing in like this, this like Stone Age, almost like uh, you know, um, like those kinds of artifacts into like this this dialogue. Like that's kind of something that Rob Reiner's father like started, and it's a brilliant yeah. fucking bit. Like that bit will live on to the end of time. But yeah, it's, and it's still funny. It must have been it's a still, nod. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's still great. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's 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 in this in this in the small things, and like the fact yeah. that. Uh, Everybody like again, Billy Crystal and Carol Kane are that couple, right? Like, you know, yeah. But that's that's perfect, of course. And this is Fantastic. like medieval. It's kind of almost like it's like not two thousand years old. It's like the medieval update to that, right? Like, yeah, they're they're kind of the more modern, like medieval version of what Carl Reiner is doing with like the two thousand year old version of it. It's, it's extra. Funny. It's two hundred years old. <laughs> two hundred years young. <laughs> but uh, right-handed Conan. Let's hear some. Final thought. You know, we, we absolutely. <laughs> so we 
we talked a lot about a lot of aspects of this very wonderful film, which is fantastic in every way. Uh, what, what I find interesting, we didn't touch on the fact that it's one of the better like romantic pictures in filmdom, I think. And not the least of which is it acknowledges that there's a certain segment of the population, you know, like the the young uh, Fred Savages of, of the world that, uh, you know, might be averse to a story like that if it, that was like what was centered, right? And it manages to be great, 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 great romantic story, uh, great action movie, great adventure movie, great comedy, lampooning the very thing that is happening on the screen, but not doing it in like a nudge, nudge, hey, did you check out the thing with the, like, a real wait, wait, no, nice. way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, wink, wink. He said, "Hey, he labyrinth, said, uh, labyrinth is on Friday. Don't give us that, Terry Jones. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Know what I mean?" <laughs> uh, and then also, you know, Loki. Can't help it. I'm sorry. Can't help it. I love Monty Python so much. It's, you never have to apologize in this show, Strout. No worries. Oh, I'm not uh, sorry, actually. Sorry slash not sorry. Uh, you worked very hard to get there, so. Uh, great fantasy movie too. <laughs> great fantasy movie. So it manages to do at least five genres, fantastically. And 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 I wouldn't agree with uh, you know Lauren kicked it off by, by saying that you know you show this to everyone, like show it to your kids, show it to your partner, so on and so on. Like it's. Hide your I, kids. I don't know. Hide your wife. Hide your husband. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think that this is a fantastic film. It hits on all cylinders. Great performances all around. Uh, fantastic writing. Fantastic story. And like, I never get sick of it. It's it's a movie I never get sick of. And that I, mean, I get sick of a lot of stuff. Let me let me tell you. But I, uh, this movie I, I is think, not one of them. I think a reason that I don't bring up that part of it necessarily is that the first time that I watched it, I was a kid, and I was the I was the Fred Savage. Like, is this gonna be a kissing yeah. movie? Because you see the yeah. title of it, and I watched it with friends. Uh, where I rented it. I don't I don't remember exactly the context. I remember watching Never Ending Story for the first time. I don't remember watching this for the first time, but it just feels so ingrained within like my, you know, my childhood that like um I it just, you know, I was that kid that was like, "Oh my god, Princess Bride." Like someone tell it like one of my friends is like, "Oh, let's watch this like at my parents' house." Like, is this going to be a kissing movie? This seems like yeah. it's going to be a kissing movie. Seems like <laughs> But then what I love well, is by is the it, end of it, Princess Diaries <laughs> came out and that's like the Anne Hathaway dumb like, "Oh, she's so like it was it was around the same whatever like period it's I think that I first story. saw this." Yeah. yeah. No, but like, so I remember thinking, like, getting those two titles makes something like. See, is this you needed to go to the Princess Diaries too with Stan Lee. I mean, yeah, because <laughs> that's the Marvel movie of the series. Wait, was Carrie Elwes in in one of the Princess Diaries? Was he? I don't know. Let's get our fact checkers on that. I, it uh, would be it would be it remember. would be pretty amazing if Stan Lee was the romantic interest, and he's like, and he's like, when I wrote Spider Man, listen. <laughs> Excelsior! We're on that day. So, 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 so. Last, the last thing I'll just I'll add on to that because of where the conversation went is that I love that. <laughs> Spoiler alert for a thirty-five-year-old movie. At the end of it, like Peter Falk like stops and is like, "Oh, but you don't want to hear this. You know, there's just kissing." And it's like, "Oh, well, maybe a little bit of kissing is okay." Like at the end, which is sort of like, "Oh, that's so great." Right, because that's like shows that like well the story was so great that even this thing that this kid allegedly is not into is like well okay I want to hear how the story ends. So. And they're and they're right. building up to it over, throughout. Right? It. Yeah, they're building up. 
they're building up to that throughout the movie where he's like, you know, he's like, you know, he does not get killed at this time. And Fred Savage. But, yeah, exactly. He keeps giving it. like the commentary. Like, yeah, exactly. He's like, he's like, don't worry. Maybe we should, maybe we should, which is like the same thing that your, your grandfather really would do. Like where they're like, oh, we can put yeah. this book down. Like we, we don't have to finish this. And you're like, no, 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 no. We like, I want to hear how this ends. Fine. You've got me. <laughs> And then yeah. the mechanics of the storytelling, where at one point is like, now where was I? And he goes back, you went back too far. You read that part already. That's totally, <laughs> I love that. Like low key little things like that are like what I focus on when I see it now. But uh, yeah, what a great movie. And he's legitimately upset that, like, uh, you know, that Humperdinck survives the end of the story. Like, what? Like, Humperdinck survived? <laughs> what are you like? Yeah, so that's a perfect, like, and, and, and it is, it's at the perfect 50% mark where it's like, you know, yeah. first it's the, you know, he has the honorable part of it. And then the second part is obviously Humperdinck being a, Weird fucking, I don't know, just sadistic weirdo. <laughs> Pull it up to 50, just cranking it. Not to 50! <laughs> and, and and since we've extended this out into a whole nother bit, I, I just have to say that um, man, when Mandy Patankin finally has his moment, like when Neil Montoya finally like gets to do the thing, and like you see him like gain power with it and like gain fortitude, yeah. still slaps. He also doesn't immediately kill him. He stabs him here, stabs him here, and he's just doing the paper cut theory, right? Where you're just giving someone paper cuts one by one until they fucking die. He he starts he's like, offer me something. You know, offer me. Yeah, he returns the exact injuries that were inflicted upon him and no no more, no less. And it's, and it's it's a bisexual moment a little bit when he's like, anything you want. And he's like... He's like, oh. I want my father back, you son of a bitch. And then he penetrated him. No good. <laughs> God damn it, Andy. On that note, hey, Andy. Hey, Penetration yeah. Andy. <laughs> Hold on, I got to change my name. We have, we have five minutes. We have fun here. Yeah, we have fun here. I don't want to interrupt last thoughts, but I do want to say something about the book before we close fully. All right, well, then I'll give, you, I'll give you the moment before I say it. <laughs> it can be after this segment. I just wanted to say that. <laughs> just say it. You're talking now. Just say it now. Yeah, go go just for it. say it now. Yeah. Are you Fine. sure? Do it now. Okay, Do it now. Fine. it now. Right here. Yeah, say it now. Do it. I just wanna, I'm, I don't, I, I'm sure that there must be something, because I'm not a huge reader, but, like, the book, it's just so cleverly done and like the whole, I don't know if you, how much you guys know about the book, but the book is like, here's this old tale written by S. Morgenstern and here's my abridged version of it. So, so William Goldman does this whole thing where he's like commenting on the original story through the book. So he does these like asides where he's like, there's even one chapter where he's like, oh yeah, here's this part where S. Morgenstern goes into like 500 years of Florinese history or whatever, but I'm going to skip all that because it's boring as fuck. <laughs> and, like, and you know, he's That's got amazing. footnotes that are really cleverly made and like, it's just all really like woven together. Is so there a part like, where he starts distractedly telling his grandson that he was in Colombo? grandson's like, get back on track. <laughs> I don't care. I know. I know you were in Colombo. He does refer see, to- his- I was acting with John Cassavetes in a Silene May movie. He does refer to the book being read to him by his father or his grandfather. So it's like he does mention that multiple times, but he doesn't like have any dialogue. So all the dialogue with Fred Savage and Peter Falk is all like just in the movie. 
you'd think that Elaine May you know, was allowed to make this the movie and the studio went through with it, but she wasn't, you know, they had to go kind of into the secret thing. And listen, oh, oh what, what story was I telling you? Oh, 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 I just yeah, can't sorry. recommend the book <laughs> enough, honestly. Like well, I've seen the movie a zillion times, but I do you love, wanna, love, love Do you want to do in the future? Do you want us, all, do you want to all read the book and then do a, a book reading stream? When we did, um, when we were on, like when I was on okay. give them an argument, we did, uh, um, like in the in the in the future, we did Goodfellas, and we all no, read right the book now, around. right after the stream yeah. ends. Oh wait, I'm doing something. <laughs> well, no, it, it would be cool to kind of read it all, like, and then down I the mean, line do like an interesting, um, uh, a, a kind of take on it because I I really like this yeah. movie, and I would a sequel. I would reread the book, book of, to do that. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, <laughs> but penetration, Andy. Let's <laughs> let's hear your penetrating thoughts. On that note, my my thoughts. Yeah. Um. Uh, this this is such a fun movie. I remember watching it. Um, uh, I think the first time was in uh, fourth, no fifth grade with uh, Mrs. Hammer's class, and, and I remember like you know hearing the like, Princess Bride. I don't want to watch this. It's so stupid. And and then you know um, getting blown away, you know, uh, by this movie. Um, yeah, were you, like, were you were you were you were you blown away, Penetration Andy? All right, all right, enough. Forgot to say away again. <laughs> <laughs> um but but yeah so so it was it was a lot of fun uh seeing and like i've uh constantly come back to this movie so it's always a great pleasure to come back to this film um uh, because it is just a lot of fun um and it just feels so good going in man and wife say man and wife <laughs> <laughs> anyway my Whoa, my, wow. final my, my <laughs> final thoughts over here you ready? Yes. Have you been chasing me your whole life only to fail now? I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. How marvelous. <laughs> <laughs>